Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking knots? I like to say hello, a special hello to my uh, only self-identified what the fucker Rican. I don't know how many times I'll do that, but I like doing it right now. This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thanks for uh, for coming. I'm very excited today. I actually am pretty excited. Kevin Smith is going to be on the show. Now, this is what happened. I know Kevin Smith from being Kevin Smith. I, I don't know how many of you identify him with a movie or a, a comic book writing or one of the many things he does is podcasts. I just know Kevin Smith as being Kevin Smith. I'm, and I saw Clerks. When it came out, I think I saw Chasing Amy. And then I just sort of, you know, then Kevin Smith was just everywhere for a while. And I know as a podcaster, he put together one of the first sort of podcast networks. And I became very aware of him then. And I actually reached out to him on Twitter and he said he would come by. So that's happening. The problem with that is I got to, I had to cram. I had to cram some Kevin Smith into my head. I had to rent dogma and I had to, to get up to speed on, on Kevin Smith. What do I want to talk about today? I Look, something has happened in my life, and I don't know if it can be helpful to you, but it's, it's happened to me. And, and don't get afraid. Don't get afraid. I'm not going to go changing, all right, to, to try to please anybody. <laughs> Did I just quote a fucking Billy Joel song? You know what? The Stranger was a great record. You know, to, to seventh grade Mark Marin, that was a great record. All right, what I want to say is this. Some of my fears dissipated. And along with that has come a true and deep feeling of not giving a fuck about certain things. And it is such a relief, I can't even begin to tell you. Now, the area that this usually appears in is that it, it, it comes to me in relation to haters or in relation to people that want to instigate shit or in relation to people that come at you with negativity. Now, look, I'm as negative as the next guy. Believe me, I've got to watch myself. I mean, you could for years there, my name could have been Buzzkill. Uh, you know, Mark Buzzkill Marin. I come from a family of Buzzkillers. My father is the greatest Buzzkill of, of them all. You could have any conversation with him and eventually within minutes, the conversation will turn around uh, and all of a sudden you're talking about the possibility of maybe having cancer and perhaps you should pay attention to that no matter what you're talking about it could be food could be a movie uh it could be hey look there's a hot air balloon within five minutes it's going to be like really you think i should get that checked that's the way it works but there are people that out of their own insecurity will just you know they will they will transfer it right onto you all of a sudden you're hanging around with somebody and you're wondering like, Jesus Christ, why does it feel like some of my soul is being sucked out of the side of my head? Because you're with a psychic vampire. They may not know it, but they are taking your chi. They are stealing your life force. I've talked about this in different ways before because with a little more recognition. Now, look, I don't have a lot of recognition. It was a nice article in the New York Times. Some nice things are happening, but no one is, is uh, you know, I, I haven't been given an office. Not that I necessarily want one. I'm, I'm very happy here in the garage. But with any sort of minor amount of, of a promotion and recognition, all of a sudden you get more people saying, hey, you suck, hey, fuck you, oh, you got nothing, whatever. 
I honestly don't give a fuck anymore. I even go to comedy clubs now, and if there's someone in the room that's giving me a hard time or being a douchebag, I truly don't care. I know how to handle that. It, it's not a problem. It doesn't mean anything about me. This little incident happened. A good example is this. Is, you know, I had Greg Fitzsimmons. Greg Fitzsimmons was on the podcast last week. And I think I brought up a story about Bubba the Love Sponge, about having the, the one time I did his show, he walked out of the studio. For whatever reason, you know, whatever my paranoid reasons were, it might not have anything to do with me. So then a couple of Budge, Bubba the Love Sponge, uh, you know, followers, you know, Bubba soldiers started, you know, tweeted a couple things like, hey, man, if you're going to start a radio war, you better have content. And you know what was amazing when I read it? And, 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 and this is true. I really didn't give a shit. I don't give a shit about them. I don't give a shit about him. He can have his little world. I can have my little world. We can all exist in our little worlds now. There's really no reason to have these ridiculous fights based on what and for what. What am I going to do? What am I? You know, look, I can't, I can't appeal to everybody. If I appealed to everybody, I would be a much different performer. And I can't do it. You know why? Because I can only do what the fuck I do. You know, I'm not here making uh, balloon animals. You know, I'm not writing poetry. I'm not. Uh, I'm not making you know big Hollywood movies. I'm in my garage talking about myself and writing jokes about the way I think. That's all I could do. Maybe I could do those other things, but for me, the journey has always been to arrive at me, and that is a profoundly difficult journey. And I don't want, I'm not getting all spiritual here, but it's so easy when you're a creative person for someone to undermine you just by instilling a little doubt in what you do. And who the fuck are they anyways? Seriously, you know, we're all so goddamn hypersensitive, myself included. One idiot says one thing that throws me into doubt about something I'm doing or something I've said or something I'm involved with. And I'm like, holy shit, maybe I'm right. My fucking soul just feeds on the opportunity to fester in self-doubt. I'm fucking done with it. I'm done with it. I'm too old for that shit. How many more years do I have left to fester about that shit? To sit around and wonder why yeah, uh, a Bubba the Love Sponge soldier you know, you know, has a problem with my content? Good, good. I'm, I'm happy that my content is not for you. But you know what? You know it's great. A lot of other content out there. Go somewhere else. You don't even have to write me about it. You don't even have to reach out to say, I don't know. Eh, eh. You know what? Okay, don't write me. You, you know, if you don't like the tweets, don't follow me. If you don't like the podcast, and it's like all this stuff, I seem to be getting it. And it's only taken me 45 years to get it. I was always a little bit thin-skinned. And I think that just comes from the fact that, you know, you want approval. And there's there's no way around that. Most people want approval. Some people want it less. Like people who have appropriate boundaries and were properly parented by at least one good parent. And and perhaps, uh, you know, learned a healthy sense of what competition is. And nothing, everything wasn't some sort of, you know, life-threatening event or, or, or self-defining event. But I had a pretty thin skin. And, and it just seems to be getting a, more, a little more resilient. I think a lot of that has to do with me talking my mouth off, you know, talking my head off here, you know, twice a week. And processing stuff and talking to other people. And realizing that you don't have to walk around all day waiting for somebody to confirm your worst thoughts or your worst feelings about yourself. <laughs> if you're sitting around going, I suck, I'm a fucking idiot, my work sucks, this is ridiculous, life stinks. If that's your inner dialogue, you know, all it takes is one person to go, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. And you're like, I fucking knew it. It's not just okay, it stinks. It's the fucking worst. They just fed your fucking inner engine of shit. 
just a shit processing factory. I don't want to digress too much. I just, it, it, it's just an interesting guest uh, that Kevin Smith uh, is, is willing to do this show because I know him to be Kevin Smith. And he is an example of a guy that despite whatever shit storm has come you know, at him and despite whatever you may think about him, he still sort of plugs away doing the shit he wants to do and doing, you know, doing it his way. And when you do that, you face a tremendous shit storm. So let's talk to Kevin Smith. Can we smoke? Can I smoke? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I enjoy this, man. Yeah, I mean, well, it's weird. I mean, it seems that you kind of invented this in some weird way. No, man, it was Gervais. Gervais, well, I didn't even, I've never heard the Gervais one, but everyone's like, Gervais is the king of podcasting. That was the first time I ever heard that word podcasting was off of him. Yeah. And everyone kept saying, you should listen to his thing. You should listen to his thing. I said, what is it? And they're like, it's kind of like he just does a radio show. And I was like, what, like Stern? And they said, yeah. And I was like, all right, that's a podcast? Yeah. They said, yeah. I was like, radio? A radio show is a podcast. And they're like, yeah, it's just another name. And at that point, I was like, well, I don't need to hear anybody else's. <laughs> I've been on a radio show. Like, we just go. <laughs> and that was that. But, I mean, do you think, though, it seems to me that, like, I did radio for a couple years, and it seems to me that the podcasting thing gives us a little more freedom. Oh, I mean, huge freedom. We well, can that's say the thing. Fuck. I've never been on the the side of the table where you know I'm, I'm riding a button right or something like that i've always been the guy in the chair who has to watch his language and right stuff. so for me i'm a the carpet guy. bagger i'm a visitor i come in and i just try to keep it tight and every once in a while they rush over yeah, yeah. themselves and press the button you're but the guy who makes leave, the guy in the button panic yes yeah. yes i'm the guy that he's been working out for for all these months we had what we had of all people paul haggis on a show i did once uh-huh. the director the director and uh, he just kept saying fuck he, it was a phoner and literally, the guy tapped out on the delay. Like, he did it three <laughs> times, and you're out of time. You can't catch back up. We had to hang up on him. At that point, you're playing Jeopardy with the button, yeah, probably. He, clicking it so hard, trying to be... We had to hang up on him, because you have no more delay left. For me, though, I... I yeah, there, I guess there's total freedom, right? Because, like, I, I would leave those interviews, and those cats still have to... Like, they, they can't... I could go and say anything I want, and I'm on the air. They can't. And, and like, they're all... There's all... Every time I sit down in a radio station, there's more uh, st- structure... More constrictive oh, dude, kind they of can't, attitude. They even, there is no choices being made. If if there's any music involved, no one's making any choices. With this thing, the thing I notice about between that and doing radio is you're always driving towards a break to mm-hmm. push something that you don't really want to push, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then you don't have any real freedom to say what you want. It's all about momentum. And I I sort of resent podcasts that sound like afternoon radio. Right. Though I have no disrespect for radio people. It's right, its own right. skill. But I mean, if we're going to be out here, if I'm going to be sitting in my garage doing this, why the fuck not? Why just, do something that sounds like everything else? Why not? Like, like, hey, yeah, man, just, this, is, this is as free as it gets. I can You're, be myself exactly, here. Exactly, exactly. So look, you know, I was, um, the first time I saw you, it's weird. I, I don't, you know, I haven't followed a lot of what you've done lately, mm-hmm. but I uh, it, it's, but I know who you are, but it was interesting because it was, I was at that restaurant across from the Scientology Celebrity Center that's owned by John Gotti's brother. Uh, yeah. that, do you know that restaurant? It's in the mall right there. It's right, it's, it's like. The, is it Bird's? Not birds, behind birds. It's I've like been, a diner. Oh, uh, hold on. It's uh, Victor's? Yeah. Yes. Victor's. Okay. I saw you sitting in Victor's with uh, Jason Lee. Okay. And I do that wow, thing. Wow, this is going way back. It must be. It's got to be five or six years. Yeah. And uh, I do that thing where I see somebody who I know is a celebrity where I, I look at you to see if you know who I am. So that would validate my place in the world. <laughs> and I, I didn't know people play that game. And I, I approach it with resentment. No, I'm sure you get a lot of like, fuck, that's Kevin Smith with me. It's like, why the fuck doesn't Kevin Smith know who I am? So I, <laughs> 
it's a different game I play with celebrities. <laughs> I like your game better. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, you didn't register anything. Uh, but then I, I started thinking like, all right, well, there's Jason Lee. They must be talking about a movie. Were you? Uh, At if that it was time, ninety. I'm guessing, to be honest, Mark, it would have to be circa ninety-seven. But back when I used to, I used to go to Victor's, Birds, that whole strip. Yeah. When I was dating Joey Adams, and that was right around the uh, Chasing Amy era. So Jason, maybe I did meet Jason Lee over there sometime in the aughts, like in I can't believe he used the term the aughts, but yeah. somewhere in the two thousands, because he did live. Sort of over there at one point before yeah. he moved even into a, a arty neighborhood like now, this. Well, my first my first thought was like, you know, all right, are are they both Scientologists? Mm-mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> and in fact, Jason, I love Jason to death, but one of the only times we ever had friction, yeah, was over Scientology, and not because I was like, hey man, why are they so wacky and shit? Like, where who's fucking who's a Jedi? In your right, religion? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more. How just, do you get the special yeah. hat? <laughs> I, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Where's your spaceship? <laughs> yeah. I um I had written uh, the script called Dogma before. Before I even knew Jason. I was Lee. actually just watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a joke in there, one throwaway joke that uh, the Loki character had. <coughs> and that was a character that I was going to have Jason Lee play. Yeah. Ben was playing uh, Bartleby. Jason Lee would have played How good Loki. is fucking Matt Damon? I mean, I was- Matt like... Damon took the role of Loki, and yeah, like, that's that's one of those instances of don't get up, because yeah. when you get up, somebody else can sit down and take your job. I mean, I but, like, I'm watching him in your movie, and, I, and I'm and i always amazed at just, like, you know, out of that whole crew, I mean, that motherfucker can He's a act. pro, dude. He's such a pro, and it's like, it's weird, because- you know, this is a dude who's gone on in life. Like, yeah. I was a footnote in this dude's fucking history. And to see, like, you know, I just watched True Grit again. Right. Like, I've watched, watched it now it. twice since I it's did come too. out. Same thing. Fucking love it. And I love it for his performance especially. Like, I could sit there Sweet. and watch him. Like, so, Ever stalwart, you know, yeah, at the end. Yeah, yeah. He's just, fin- the dude is the goods. And when I... When when I pass from this earth, like, or even before I pass from this earth, yeah. like, I'm gonna be like, wow, I did, I worked with a great, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, he really is. He, oh, he's he's the good. He's it, fucking it, sick. And goods. Are you like me though, man? If I watch a, a, a Coen Brothers film, I need to watch it at least twice before I can even register the humor in it, uh, the the brilliance of it. I mean, I've never watched movies where literally I, the last few Coen Brothers movies, you you end the movie and you're like, you realize, oh shit, it's on me Here's the to p- figure it out. Yes, and that began for me, and this is going to sound really weird because most people are going to be like, what? That's yeah. an easy one. Big Lebowski was the first bump in the road for me. First yeah, me time too. I, saw I didn't it, get it. Oh, I, I'm, I'm so scared to admit that because this is a Big Lebowski world. And, no, and I know. But generally, I people are like, what do you mean? But I did I, not get it. I went to see this movie at a at a, a movie theater in Pittsburgh while we were shooting Dogma. Yeah, and it was me. It's the only time I've ever gone on a celebrity movie date. But it was Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Chris Rock, yeah. me, and and Jason Mewes, my friend Scott Mosher. Yeah. Um, Chris Rock is like openly heckling the movie while it's happening because he thinks it sucks. The uh, the fact that we were just sitting there and Chris was kind of tearing into it. It wasn't. I think it had everything to do with Fargo. We'd all went in looking for Fargo. Fargo had been the one right before it. So we were like, these we know these motherfuckers inside now. We know everything the Coen Brothers could do and fucking geniuses. And then we come in and we see essentially like a movie that I would have made a stoner movie, right? You know, just slightly smarter, right? And I think all of us were just kind of gut punched by the first screening like chris was literally as the movie was ending yeah. he was booing as we were it was really weird i i had the not a booing was reaction it? i just didn't get it because i i give when them though, the when benefit. did you get it when well did you i give them the benefit it? of the doubt because even when i watch 
Well, I, it's not my favorite Coen Brothers movie, and I'm not sure it completely resonates with mm-hmm. me. But like, even when I watched uh, Burn After Reading, mm-hmm. like because I didn't like it the first viewing, I watched it a couple times, and I can at least appreciate it. I thought Malkovich ate too much of the movie right. uh, a little bit. I think he was a little miscast, and it uh-huh. kind of distracted shit for me. But like uh, Serious Man and True Grit, like and and No Country for Old Men, I'll watch four or five fucking times. Get a bunch out of them. Yeah, because- I mean, look, here, the highest compliment I can pay any filmmaker is I still watch Raising Arizona. I'll t- the best. I could pop it in and never. I'm, it's not one of those movies where I'm like, we've done it too much. Let's move on. Fargo, yeah, Raising Arizona, and, Barton Fink, Miller's Crossing. These movies are religion to me. So yeah. much so that, like, look, it's. Uh, I think a lot of. There's a movie we made that's coming up soon called Red State. Yeah. And some people have seen a teaser for it online. Looks drastically different from most of the stuff I'm used to doing because most of the stuff I'm used to doing is comedy. Um, this uh, looks more grown up. And the Coen Brothers are How does that a feel? huge influence. That was nice. It was, but it, at the same time, and I'm sure you know this because yeah. you described it to some degree before, or at least described a mindset yeah. that I would understand. Um, in our heads, we're, all, we're always skating way ahead of everybody else, and it takes people a little time to catch up. Uh-huh. So for me, I'm like, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people going surprising, reacting surprised to the teaser of the movie. Who knew we had it in them? And me, I'm like, well, I, I always knew I had this. Didn't you guys know? And yeah. you realized, no, you're alone out there. Like, Knowing what you can do and what you can't do or or the talents that you've yet to actually even put on display. Like people want to pigeonhole you as quickly as possible. Go like, oh, he's got just clerks. That's it. That's it. Nothing more. Don't do anything more. So much so that when you do a podcast, people are like, well, who do you think you are now? When I started doing Q&A on stage, like put out that DVD. Yeah. I got so much shit. Who you think you're a fucking comic? You're not a fucking comic. You're a filmmaker. People want to keep you in one identifiable little box, which is totally fine. But- I like to, because of this cool little box, I got access to all these other cool boxes. Right. Where it's like, please don't hold me back. Like, I'm not saying I'm going to be a great comic book writer, but given a chance to write a comic book, I'm going to do it. Well, I think what happens is, is that if you're not going to self-brand, which is what you're talking about, you've done, and, and, you know, you've had the fortitude to sort of take the hits and keep moving in your own direction, uh, what they want to do is box you to brand you. And so, and and especially if the expectations are met. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why, you know, certain bands make the same record over and over again and why shit movies are shit movies. Dude, I played to my audience, and I still... I still believe I played in my audience. But let me many, ask many you, though. I made mean, those Viewers yeah, Universe movies. Yeah. And within the world of people that like those movies, man, I could keep going. I could keep doing sure, it. Sure, I mean, you got your people. But Outside? I mean, Holy shit. It was, you would thought I was sitting there, I was doing uh, earnest movies. Well, did it the hurt your feelings? Of course it did. Of I mean, course. Like, I mean, I saw Clerks. I knew the buzz around Clerks. And, you know, and I've always sp- talked to people when, I, when they bring up Clerks is that I think the one thing that was inherent and the one thing that, that the studio saw was like, this guy's got a sense of comedy. I mean, yeah. he's got a sense I mean, of pacing. Like nobody watched that timing. movie and said, this guy's a great filmmaker. This guy's is Orson Welles. Yeah, exactly. They were just like, look, here, it, here's, it, here's the secret. It has continuity. It made us laugh. Right, Like, we exactly. don't give a shit what it looks like. Right. If it truly makes you laugh, like, in many ways, <coughs> that was the harbinger <coughs> for, like, YouTube and shit. Yeah. Like, <coughs> now you didn't even have to work at a feature level. Yeah. Now you can bring that shit down to three minutes. The DIY world. Done. Yeah. Well, uh, my question is then, uh, and we're going to get back to Scientology because I yeah. want to talk about dogma a little bit, is then that, so you may have just grown up a little bit. I mean, I, it seems to me that, that you were hitting some some of the same bells, that there wasn't adolescence yeah. to it, but I think that was you being aware of who your people were. But that's the thing. That's what I'm talking about. Like, some people would be like, well, he just needed to get that out of his system, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, that's all I wanted to do. And honestly, if right. people would have left me alone about it and stopped making fun of me for yeah. it or telling me I was a bad filmmaker or I'm not growing, 
if people would have stopped being my fucking mother about it, yeah. I would have made those Viewsk Universe movies until I fucking pushed up daisies. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome, dude. It was like literally being able to play God and create so, your own universe. So who told you to grow up? The oh, fucking internet was all over my balls about like he just keeps making the same fucking movies over and over, which is bullshit. I defy you. Go watch all those movies. Yeah. Each one is absolutely different even the one that sequelizes the other yeah doesn't look a thing like the fucking other one right lately it's not even about the same thing but what was the primary criticism that you're adolescent that i'm adolescent i mean look I, I i don't care if people look at those movies and only see the surface with like just stick and fart jokes it's like great yeah i understand that mm -hmm. but don't begrudge an audience that finds everything else that's underneath some people like you know look at the surface read the cover of the book and that's not for me some people actually read the book and find riches and right like the know. coen brothers movies well yeah. i mean it was that what dogma was an answer to no I dogma mean, was, was written before anything else dogma was actually the first screenplay i wrote even before clerks but i never would have been able to make it because i was you know so were you like at that time were you like you know hung up on the idea that like this is bullshit and and With you dogma did, yeah that where you did your homework where you were, were you brought up catholic i was i was catholic lifelong i'm still i still identify catholic but i don't go to church right because um, i mean practicing or i got it right as they say well it's sort of interesting to me that you, you know in that movie what you sort of do is is with your sensibility you made you, you broadened it out to almost a comic book universe yes that and, that for me dogma is the product of a, a catholic school kid who every time he's sitting in church and they're like blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord i'm the one like <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Come. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So dogma is an extension of that. Also mixed in with um, the, the juvenile conversation that comes in the college years about religion. We're sitting around smoking weed going, hey man, do you ever think that yeah, Jesus I mean, was I mean, black? Yeah, right. Or, oh, stuff yeah. like that. I mean, if you can't really explain how air works, where it, did it come from? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. navel gazing and yeah. then mixed in with a comic book sensibility. Yeah. And it did happen to have something to say about uh, beliefs and about faith and spirituality. Clearly, you could say anything you want about dogma. Um, and, and you could say how bad it is or, or, or if you're on the religious side or how poorly it's made if you're a film critic or something like that. That movie's devout. It's insanely yeah. devout. That yeah. movie, there's a movie, make fun of, this is the one thing it never really got made fun of for. Yeah. It actually believes in God. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like we got attacked by the God people. Right. And maybe in many ways that was kind of what needed to happen. So that's an Otherwise we would have been attacked by the non-God people for being like, Hey, man, didn't you make clerks? Are you saying you believe in this God bullshit? Well, that's interesting that you say that because that's not the first read you're going to have of it because you've got all these broad comic characters that are representing angels and demons and devils and mm -hmm. speaking for God. But I didn't even think about that, that the, the actual you know, broader premise is that this all exists. Yes, all devout. <laughs> that's the thing. It's, you know, and it's if you start picking yeah. it apart, like if I was a member of another faith, I would have found that movie like ridiculous and also insulting, which is like. So the entire end of existence predicated on this dopey fucking faith, on yeah. Catholicism more than anything else? They could have attacked that movie from any different angle. The fact that there were a bunch of religious people attacking that movie, I always found very ironic. So I'm like, this movie does your work for you. This movie is actually- Reaching out to a new crowd. Yes, and it's espousing the same beliefs that you more or less believe in. Big picture stuff, yeah. not the minute But they have no sense of humor about it. None. These it's, people can't take an ass fucking joke, yeah. so they miss the big picture. Yeah. It's amazing, too. Have you been to Italy? Have you ever, I, dude, you got to go, man. If you're a Catholic, I mean, I'm not a Catholic, uh -huh. but I would, you know, in every city, there is a huge cathedral in these poor peasant cities. Mm -hmm. They built these monster cathedrals and everyone, every cathedral has its dead wizard. God knows how many popes are there. There's always like some body part that's right. enshrined that people pray yeah, to. Yeah, they keep bones and whatnot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, they got to have their pieces. There must've been a huge business in body pieces of, it's, of saints. It's totally, it's it still, still it, I mean, and it, it still exists. It's like any other market. But the, the spectacle, fandom, like people who want a uh, piece of Gretzky 
Kowalski sweater. Right. You know, there's a, a alternate version where you want a piece of like St. Lawrence's tunic. Well, they have, right there, that's St. Catherine's head, bro. On that in on that picture right Is there. Is it a picture? I, I, yeah, it's a it's a photograph. It's, there's a shrine with St. Catherine's head, I oh. think, in... I can't remember what town it's in, but but what I was saying is that I'm not a religious person. I was brought up a Jew. I'd been to synagogue. I was bar mitzvah. I'm not familiar with Catholicism, but you stand in these cathedrals, and I don't care who you are. Right. I mean, I'm me, not some poor you know person who, who works in the fields, and you're literally like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. I, you're, we want to drop to your knees just to the amount of affectation and the amount of elaborate yes. sort of mind-fucking that went into getting people to believe. And that's why I Stuff like that could always work, man. On of course, an educated populace, particularly you know when when the of origins course. of this all because well, you're you're talking about people going, wow, it's so big. God must be behind this. Of course, yeah, and that was that was the big trick on the you know maintaining power. But even like people like I know you knew Sam or you were a fan of Kennison. I think loved Kennison. That's Never why you wore him, the overcoat. That's why I wore the overcoat. Did you know him? Yeah, I I, I did a I did my graduate work in cocaine cutting for Sam uh, from 1986. <laughs> were you to one? Of, were you like an outlaw of comedy? No, the outlaws were before me. The original outlaw were from Texas and I was a doorman at the comedy store in 86 and 87 okay. and he sort of took me under his wing and made me psychotic from cocaine and I had to leave running so but, but hold I, on but is there good stuff too oh of course yeah it was I, great I it was, was Sam Kinison well you're gonna make me cry because I, I rarely get to talk about Sam Kinison. Sam Kinison was the guy that in high school um you could look at and be like holy shit like I he looks like me right you know what I'm saying right. and he was, uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to say fallen, but he'd, he'd left faith behind. In so he way, came yeah. from a, a background full of fucking faith, but there he was telling insanely risque, insanely wonderfully well, he, funny well, He jokes. had his own time zone, that guy. Yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. definitely American original. I mean, you, 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 you never Carlin's seen it before. Biography. Did you read Carlin's no. sort of biography, no. the last one that no. came out? He, uh, in it, he talks, the, there's a passage that talks about Kinison, where he's like, Kinison was one of the only comics that ever came up that made him uncomfortable where he not uncomfortable like i don't like kennison but made him go shit why didn't i do that bit like the bit about you know why don't you go where to move where the food is well that bit's great my favorite bit of his was actually uh out of all of them i mean i understand the brilliance of a lot of them but there's a line in that manson bit that i fucking just it, i never forget it because you know as a as a drug user and as somebody you know who who had some sort of weird reverence for the 60s and some morbid fascination in uh in Manson, right, right, that bit where, like, you know, he's got the dead artist at the door. You know, you haven't stick to chainsaw, my ass. Yeah. <laughs> and then that line where he goes, "Glad to see you fuckers can handle your high." That to me, he just—I stole that line recently. He negated the entire '60s experience yes. with one line, yes. like, and he negated all of the Manson <laughs> thing. It took all the mysticism out of it right. with one fucking line. Just by being like, these guys weren't mystical. It, they just fucking, couldn't handle their fucking high. Exactly. I stole that line uh, fairly recently this year. I've only recently become a stoner within the last two years yeah and uh, prior to that nothing just an eater obviously not even a drink you lost some though huh i did i did lost a bunch of weight fairly recently um so anyway i was uh I, for me when i got into weed i was you know for years and years i was a guy i had to battle my friend muse who plays jay to my son bob he's yeah. hardcore junkie he has been he's been almost clean now Dope one fiend. year oh big time big yeah. time and he talks about it. we got podcasts we talk about it all the time um but he uh after seeing that, I was like, drugs, no use for him. Plus, I was always busy doing stuff. Yeah. When I got into to weed, it was tough for me to kind of like, and, and weed is innocent. We all know fucking weed is nothing. Most at, people at worst, at it's it. a will killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some, and <laughs> no, for no, me, no, that's it right. Was, it that's blew true. my will up. Well, I think what it was was I decided to tie it to 
productivity. Because mm. I'd looked at all my heroes and all the like Kennison and yeah. fucking, you know, it went down to drugs more than once. Um, and ultimately, I, I don't know what the car wreck was about, but somebody said that that, that wasn't that involved in something. Well, I, I mean, Substance you know, Sam, I, the weird thing about stand up and, and then doing what you do is like, you know, all the kernels of, of creativity we're looking for, you know, really are like three to four minute pieces. Right. You know, so I mean, really, you know, as a comic, you know, who's fucked up and sleeping all day, you know, if you wake up and, you, you know, you spend four hours, maybe you don't get nothing for a week. But if you get on stage one night, right. you know, out of your week of like doing nothing but getting fucked up and you get one new bit, you've done your work. I mean, I would think that, you know, somebody like you who's got to write scripts and, you know, draw up storyboards and, you know, you know, call people. Right. It's, there's a lot more responsibility so there, there is but i mean the beautiful thing about that job is like anything else is it's a top-down position everyone supports your job but the interesting your thing, job you just basically have right. to say yes or no to people or to point them in a direction everyone else is doing the you're like a leader for you. you got yeah. a pack you're pretty you're in a production yeah well the thing I, the reason i brought up sam was was primarily because i was thinking about it before and i and i knew i don't know how i I knew you must have said it somewhere that you sort of wore the trench coat as Silent Bob yeah. as a kind of as a, uh, an ode to Sam Kinison. I Sam wore Kinison. a trench coat throughout high school. I had a big Sam Kinison poster on my wall. He did this weird, I mean, probably before anybody realized who he was and what his comedy was about, he did this stay in school, read kind of in-school poster thing for this yeah. in-school scholastic system. And I guess they tapped him right before he fucking broke. So they were like, here's an upcoming comic. And it was just, you know, and they're like, let's, let's take those posters down. Yes. <laughs> and I got one. I yeah. was like, I'll fucking take that. I yeah. like this guy. Yeah. And him in the trench coat on Saturday Night Live. Like, uh, I mean, I think I'd seen him. Had I seen well, him that was the... wild to see him on TV because he operated. He was so visceral yes. and so like you know, kind of electric that he almost didn't fit on fucking television. He it was or, like... he literally like uh, just fucking took the stage yeah. and choked it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah. I was a huge comic nerd. Like yeah. I was a Bill Cosby guy. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. a Carlin guy, yeah. and I was a, a Red Fox guy, and, and I was Sam a Bob just Newhart erased guy. it. <laughs> Sam, and suddenly, Sam yeah. was just like, "Oh my god, this yeah. was it was like punk rock comedy." No, definitely, man. like definitely. it was. And it was painful. It came from a really awesome, painful place. Like, you can't talk about relationships. Came from an angry place, certainly. Uh, and I yeah. guess beneath the anger is, is pain. But but why I brought him up was because, you know, when I was with him, you know, I spent a lot of fucking hours, you know, doing blow with that guy and talking to that guy. Right. Because he liked to hold court. And, you know, there was this, you know, he had gone... He had gone back. You know, he comes from a family of ministers. Right. And he had gone back home after he'd been in L.A. a while before he made it and preached, you know, and he played a tape of that preaching, uh, of him preaching. And it was really kind of weird as his as his sort of fall became more defined. He was preaching about his guitar being stolen and, and how it affected. And it was sort of weird and not right. quite. And then, like, later as I talked to him, he, he talked about, like, you know, I could have went for the satellite station. Like, it was interesting to me that there was always this business model in his mind, even about his relationship with God. But then, as as he got older and as I talked to him more, I don't think he ever stopped believing. I really think that at the end, well, he knew. You, I mean, there's a story, I don't know if the story's true, but in the, the when he died, apparently his dying words were like he was speaking to... Sure. I mean, everyone says, oh, people see lights and they just mutter, but he said always he was about calling that. and he was saying, not yet, no, not yet. Like, Yeah, I got it. Well, yeah, because he probably needed time to ask for forgiveness because I really think that he was the kind of guy that knew, okay, here are the terms. I know these terms better than anybody. I can recite the Bible. I know what the deal is. And if I ask for God's forgiveness at that last minute, if I ask for Jesus, 
you know, to 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 save me, I can get in still. Right. right so right. I think his whole disposition was like, I'm going to push the envelope on this, have my cake and eat it too. Yeah, and then get in under the wire. Especially if he had done time on the Lord's behalf already. You know right. what I'm saying? You put in enough years on the Lord's behalf. I guess he must have, must have felt like sure. I'm he, fucking do some some R and R, man. Right. So, but so getting back to Jason and the idea of of Scientology. I mean, yes. What makes you? Uh, you well, know, in not that in- instance, let me finish it that way, way back there. I had a, a joke in the script for Dogma. Yeah. And it said, uh, one of the characters, the Loki character said, uh, what incurs the Lord's wrath these days? Uh, I think Bartleby said that. Then Loki said, uh, I don't know, Scientology? Yeah. And Jason had called me up and he was like, look, um, I can't do this movie if that joke's going to be in there. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, I'm a Scientologist and it's just, we take enough shit already and it's just like, to have a, a joke, you know, kind of poked at their expense. And I was like, hey, buddy, man, don't worry about it. Like, your friendship means more to me than a dopey joke. Yeah. Life. Took it out. He didn't wind up playing that role. He went and did another movie instead. But then he came back and did, the, before, yeah, yeah, the and did a different part, played yeah. the Azrael part. Yeah. But that joke never made the flick because of that. Now, at the same time, I'm like, did it hurt the movie? No. Would it have changed the one fucking thing about Dogma? No. But years later, I sit there going like, well, at least you were a good friend. You know what yeah, I'm saying? But, but, like, I mean, but considering that dude's feelings to some degree. But, but what's interesting to me is that, you know, being a thoughtful person that you are and, and given the friendship, and clearly he's not ashamed of, of uh, his position in that organization, mm. that, I mean, how do you approach that as, a, as an intellectual person and as somebody who's critical of, of mind <laughs> fucking I can't, systems? Because I can't expect him. I, I, I mean, I'm literally, uh, I still represent as Christian. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, he's like, all right, Kevin, you want to criticize my fucking sci-fi god? How about your mystical Jewish carpenter with the nails that yeah. fire at his fucking hands? So they're both like comic that. books. That's, you know, at the end of the day, I've always kind of given him the same consideration he's always given me, which is never to sit me down and be like, you know, your religion's full of shit, right? And it's like, yeah, well, I, I guess. So you acknowledge it then? You'll, you'll, you're willing to give it some sort of like, well, it's just a new version of structuring a religion. Which one? Scientology. Absolutely, I guess. It's not my religion to comment on. Right. It's his, but yeah, I guess, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm not talking about him. I'm just talking about in general. In general. Because you, I mean, you're one of the few people that, you know, I, I you know, I, people don't talk necessarily about religion, but mm-hmm. he's sort of, you know, been outed as a Scientologist and you guys are buddies and you honor the friendship over the argument yeah, yeah, about yeah. it and you don't really talk about it and he's just a normal guy. That's the thing. At the end of the day, let me see how many Scientology, I've, been, I've had maybe two discussions about Scientology with Jason because like he read Dogma. You know, he knows where I stand on my own religion. What chance does his have? With so, is me? your is your connection to your religion now more just the you know, tradition? tradition? Absolutely, and, and, and also just I, you know, it, I was indoctrinated as a kid. I'm not saying that? that in a horrible way. Like, oh, I would, I wouldn't have it any other way. Do you believe it, in hell? Yes. Oh, of course. Really? Yeah, yeah. But it depends day to day. Some days I'm like, <laughs> I'm with Scott Mosier. Nothing happens when it ends because that makes sense. That that feels more comforting. Yeah, yeah. Than the notion of he's of, a Jew. No, he's just he's one of those cats. It's like I'm nothing, man. You yeah. guys are all crazy. Um, but for me, I'm I'm, I'm more. Hopeful there's a heaven, then scared there's a hell, I guess. Does this heaven seem a little boring? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, look, the older I get, when I was younger, I could defend it wholeheartedly. Like, no, man, heaven's awesome because it's ice cream forever. But the older you get, the more you're just like, well, that yeah. doesn't do anybody any good, ice cream forever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm still down with that. <laughs> um, but no, the older I get, there are days, uh, Mark, where I'm just like, Oh man! Thank God I didn't waste my whole fucking life on, right. on that faith. Right. And then there are days where I'm like, I, I'm at night in bed. I hear it's dark throughout the house. I hear uh, the rising, falling breath of my wife next to me. Yeah. I'm, I I live in what I would consider a mansion, especially yeah. considering where I came from. And 
all is right with the world, at least for that moment in time. And I still pray. I'll still well, sit there and, and give thanks yeah. and and beg not to be killed in the night yeah. and beg live to be a happy, healthy old. I mean, I know the game's rigged. I'm going to lose eventually, but it's just like I want to run the score up as much yeah. as possible. Doesn't end well for anybody. No, no, no. <laughs> it's all very predictable. Yeah, it really is. I mean, but it's like the career of any great athlete. But that's and you watch the... them shine for a while, sure. but sooner or later- Everything goes, and I think that realization is a sign of a, a mature person. Is it you know sort of acknowledging your limitations, what your skills are, working within them, not judging yourself against other people all the time, so yeah. you live in misery. Well, I mean, the best here's there, I've talked about it a little bit on our podcast uh, fairly recently, but the, my wife is uh, one of these yoga broads and shit, and, and at one point she fancied turning one of the rooms in the house into a yoga cave i don't know what they're called but she bought some wall hangings yeah and from like a, a buddhist type stores and whatnot and uh one hung on the wall forever never really noticed it until this year yeah. when i looked at it and processed it and it said may you realize your divinity in this lifetime and it just sounded like a yoga thing for years hanging on the wall and then only recently i was like oh i get this yeah yeah like that's the tr that is the greatest blessing in this world, if you can truly realize your own divinity in this lifetime, real treat yourself with some goddamn reverence. Yeah, that's uh, true. Self love is not Self -lo a bad thing. Oh, not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, but I I'm not wired to do it. I know. I Are know. You? But yeah, no, uh, yeah. No, man, I mean, the weed on. in a big way. Yes, I'm not one of these dudes that I can't hate. I hate myself. I'm a big fan. I'll be but honest. Not necessarily with you. hate yourself. But I mean, no, listen. Mark. It's shameful how big of a Kevin Smith fan I am. I'm the biggest <laughs> Kevin Smith fan on the planet. <laughs> Come on. Totally. If I was not Kevin Smith, I would be the guy leading his fan club, maybe killing him. <laughs> you know, in a jealous rage or something. I I I love. The shit Kevin Smith's into and that he's done. Like, I like the shit he says. Well, I'm I think, a big fan of that character. I, uh, and, and, <laughs> it is a fairly well-defined character. It and, and it seems that you put effort into defining it. it. And I try to change it all the time. It's like, look, I've looked at people who went before me. I, I Now that I got my foot in the door or something, and it's been in 20 years, now I feel relatively okay and secure, safe now. First 15 years of the career, you're always like, I better keep dancing to figure me out. But once I got in, I spread my shit like herpes and just made sure I was in a bunch of spinning plates. Right. So film is one thing. Over here, I like to get up on stage, talk to people. That's another thing. Over here, now we do this podcast thing. Yeah. Over here, comic books. Sure. Over here, cartoons. I like to spread it all well, around. I talked to Rollins I, is like that. Oh, I realized very quickly. Yeah. This is what I want to do for a living. I want to be paid to like make pretend to be, be silly, me. be me. Yes. Yeah. That that's the that's the. Well, that, I think that better than that. Fucking realize your own divinity in this lifetime get paid to be you in this lifetime. Yeah, I, believe me. It's all I've it, been trying to it, do. It gets yeah. no better than that because no. we're going to fucking die. That's it. They can't, you can't stop that. So you might as well make what happens before that as comfortable as possible. Well, well, and what's more comfortable than like being, being paid yourself. to be you? Well, I mean, but then let's talk about like before, before I get past it, I just want to, uh -huh. I want to reflect on that moment that you were laying in bed and it was quiet and you're, your uh, Hollywood Hills home and all you hear is your wife's breath. I mean, that is one of those, you know, those perfect sort of I'm alive, quiet moments where, you know, either you have a choice there where you're, you can either go like, fuck, it's it's going to be over so soon and this is all there is. Mm. But, you know, you choose gratitude. I used to do, but I used to do that. I used to be the fuck, it's going to be over so soon. Panic. Yeah. And yeah. now, but I'm a stoner. And right. now I'm just like, whenever I feel that come in, even if I, if, I mean, number one, whenever yeah. I start to feel that come in, I can just light a joint and be like, goodbye. But even if I'm not smoking, whenever I feel panic, doubt, all that negativity 
kind of jump up because that's created, right? right? It's like hasn't happened yet, so right. it's fictional. And we right. all work ourselves up about a fiction. Right. Um, I'm a writer, so I can identify reality from fiction. Yeah. And I don't let myself get out of sorts about shit that hasn't come to pass yet. No saying you can't be prepared for some shit, but it's like getting all that out of sorts about like an event that hasn't even occurred. Well, that's it. That's it. Like, you know, most of the time what you're reacting to, if you're freaking out, is a dream. It's, it's yeah. It's your head. Yeah. It's proving it's what you're, it's you're what your a head. great writer right then and yeah, there. You, and the world is full of great writers right. because think of all the stress we all live with and all of that stress is a, it's a fiction. I mean, yes, there's financial It's a fiction, but blah, you know, blah, blah. that means everybody would write the same book and it'd be called I'm fucked. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people fucking do, yeah, of man. Of course. But, but it's like you can be, and that's it. We're all fucked. So yeah. you can choose to be fucked or you could just fucking fight your way out the ghetto as hard as you can. Like, we know we're going to wind up in the fucking death camp. We've seen the fucking well, movie. Like, we read I mean, the books. I mean, it doesn't have to fight. be a camp. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like you can't, like I you saw mean, Toy we're, Story we're, 3. Yeah. Schindler's Toy Box, as yeah, I call it. Yeah. That movie fucking made me okay with my own death because I'm watching these puppets heading toward the furnace, man, and they yeah. are reacting like I would, which right. is just like, whose oh, dick I, do I got to suck to yeah, stop yeah, yeah. it? I, I don't want to go. And I'll finally, they just calm down and hold each other's hands, and they're just like, fuck it, we had our shot. We're together, at least. That's interesting that that revelation, you know, after it's been documented in Holocaust movies for the last 50 years, you got through Toy Story. <laughs> That's what I got. Yeah. That's a sign of great art. Right well, let's there. talk about this this idea of, of being all that you can be and and, uh, and, and brand Kevin Smith and, and fucking, you know, uh, sort of embracing as much as possible. Yeah. You know, well, how did that, how did the compromise... You've made compromises in your career. Yeah. You've had disappointments in your career. Oh, God, yeah. So, I mean, how does the uh, vessel hold up in light of that? Or, um, or well, I mean, it's it, it depends. It's a, what I figured out was... Like the last movie. Let's talk about Cop, Cop out. out. Yes, yes. I mean, this was a movie that, you know, you didn't write. Not you know, at it all. It was a That's gig. That's why I was kind of bulletproof at the end of the day. Right. Like, I, I felt like, well, it's not... This isn't a quote-unquote Kevin Smith film. I didn't write this. I'm directing this. For years, I'd been told by a Did you have community. to rationalize that, though? I mean, uh, and to put some it into... degree. I mean, I'll... I'll, I'll okay, go ahead. It, it, yeah. yeah, but... When it was presented to me, it was yeah. the right time. Yeah. I was coming off of Zach and Mary, and Zach and Mary should have done a lot better than it did. What do you think happened? Uh, bad marketing, bad title, bad whatever, bad date. All fucking Halloween, dude. You had your funny guy. We had the fucking funny guy. Yeah. And that that took the wind out of my sails Seth big Rogen. time. Yeah. yeah. Taking Seth, giving Seth his first commercial mm. disappointment was uh, that fucking killed me because i was a huge seth rogan fan yeah and you don't never want to be the guy who fucking you know tarnishes the ship at all you yeah. know i mean thankfully fucking observing report would do that way better like yeah, a couple yeah. months later but for a while there i was just like how could i've done this like because I, I believe in that guy in a big bad fucking way but I, it hit me hard because that movie was supposed to do 50 or more and it wound up just doing a standard. But Kevin what Smith does that 30. look like, though? I mean, what does it look like to hit you? I mean, what was going through your head? I mean, what, what was, was going it? through my Let me see. Were you wandering around your house yelling I to was. the wall? No, no, no. But what I remember, um, I woke up the morning of the opening uh -huh. and I had been start. I'd started smoking weed on a regular basis a couple months before. Yeah. July. And we opened in uh, October 31st. So this is a couple months later. And I first I started like, you know, I'm going to start smoking like once, you know, at night, like eight o'clock at night, once all my work's done and shit right. like that. Take and, the edge yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, watch a movie. Old school. I did that for like two days. I was like, what the fuck am I waiting until eight o'clock for? Like, yeah, I got yeah, nothing yeah. to do, man. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, let's yeah. roll that back. And it became two. Then it was like noon. No, nothing before noon. It'd be shameful to get high before noon. Morning that Zach and Mary opened up. Yeah. Saturday morning, we get the grosses and shit. Yeah. Uh, 
the uh, the number is two point two million. Yeah. Now, fr- if you factor that by three for the Friday, just the okay. Friday, so you times that by three, projecting ahead, it ain't even gonna make ten million. Right. It ain't even gonna make seven. Right. Um, at that point, my you know my I was ready to fucking put a gun in my mouth. That was the moment I looked at my wife. I was just like, I'm going to smoke, and I became a wakened baker because I was yeah. like six in the morning and shit. So it came out of out of the stress of failure. Yeah, but to me, self perceived failure. I mean, sure, at the end no, of the I day, it. Yeah. it was it that movie did well. Like they made money it's off fine. of the Weinstein yeah, yeah. Company, and it did the standard Kevin Smith thirty million. Did a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but it ultimately, like, we didn't spend a lot making it. It, it wasn't. But me, that was supposed to be the hundred million. That was supposed to be the. This is going to do the Apatow money right here, right. man. So I was like, oh shit, you got everybody saying that, and the Apatow guy is saying, hey, I'm going to be in this, so it must be the fucking Apatow money money type vehicle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. So I think I got Apatow's around. guy. Yeah, I got Apatow's guy. I got <laughs> Apatow's fucking formula, which was kind of my formula, but whatever, you know. Yeah, and yeah. then now it's it's been made commercial. Yeah, let's give this a roll. And um, you know, it it just didn't it didn't happen for whatever. I could sit here and be like, the marketing was this, it was this, it was this. And, hey, look, the audience it just wasn't quite there. And you and you, but it still at the same time was it did what it was exactly designed to do for everybody else. For me, I had higher aspirations. So that, and at that, that was point, the moment in that in that dark night of the soul, the yes. morning after the I Friday. I went into my library with those two point two numbers. Ultimately, it opened to ten million. Yeah. So it found it bumped a little better on Saturday. But I went into the library, which was my office at that point. And uh, and and kind of became a wake and baker. And for the next uh, three four months, I stayed off the internet. I couldn't go near the internet because I was like, I've ruined Seth Rogen. Like everyone you just on the didn't internet, want to take the hit. Oh, I was gonna go. I was gonna hit. Enter the internet that morning. People were gonna be like, "You fucking fat piece of shit. You ruined Rogan for yeah, us. Yeah, he yeah. was all we had." Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I was like, "I can't do this." Yeah. I stayed off the internet. Yeah. And that created an incredible fucking uh, growth of of uh, time to watch shit. Yeah, and I just started watching um, a lot of hockey videos and whatnot. And in that moment, that's when I got the call to do Cop Out. Um, a script was sent to me. So okay, so your movie in your mind had tanked. Yes, uh, you've just started. You committed your life to pop because you didn't want to feel the pain and self inflicted criticism of of the i you know of the of the aftermath of your movie tanking. Yeah, and then just, and there then seemed the, no point in being not high. Right, and and then. <laughs> And then the devil calls. Yes. The de- and that's when the devil did call. I hadn't even noticed. It was so obvious I couldn't even call it. But I knew the devil was calling. I, I When the devil called, I was like, show me your dick. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. Really, I'm ready I, to go. Well, I had a plan at that point. By the time the devil called me, I'd already smoked enough weed and kind of been reorganizing. I had the script for Red State. It was already locked and ready to go. It's just I needed to find money for it. I had a, a, I had a plan lined up, which only fucking in, in about two weeks everyone gets to see. But um, it, I had a... a I had to. I had to get in there. As much as I'm not going to say, like it was a noble fucking cause, but I didn't make any money to make it was that a job. Movie. I took. Well, it wasn't barely a job. I took an 84 percent pay cut to make that movie. To I made less. Cop out? Yes, I made less to make Cop Out than I did to make Dogma um, in 1998. So why'd you do it? I wanted to work with a. I wanted to work with Bruce Willis. Yeah. Um, that to me was like, wow. I love Bruce Willis. I'm a huge Bruce Willis fan. If I was in a, if I was making a Bruce Willis movie, and my father was alive. Yeah. Then he would be like, oh, you do make movies. Yeah, for yeah. A living. Uh, this isn't just a stupid thing. Yeah, it's not just you and your yeah. buddies talking about Star Wars yeah. and fucking getting laid and <laughs> yeah. shit like that. So there was that. Um, I needed to understand marketing really well for some shit that I got coming up. Yeah. So I wanted to get inside. I had seen marketing from the Miramax side very intimately. Um, and, you know, for years heard Harvey Weinstein go like, well, a studio's 40 million is my 20. Like I can right. do with 20 what they can do with 40 and shit. So I saw what he can do with 
20, 40, and less. I'll tell you, over honestly, I, I might make an argument that marketing of Cop Out might have diminished your ticket sales. It because that, that poster was, that billboard was fucking everywhere. And I got to be honest with you, Kevin. I mean, I looked at that po that billboard and I said, I've already seen that movie. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. There was nothing about that poster that was screamed like, holy shit, this Am is right? original. But to be fair, yeah. nothing about the movie was. The whole movie is it's an homage picture. It's not one of those. Uh, spoof movies right it but it's definitely an homage picture. we just wanted to make an 80s beverly hills cop, cop. it had to look like right. something you'd seen before um that at least that's what i hope they were thinking right but i probably look i know the real story the one guy wouldn't even sit for a fucking poster shoot so essentially they have to go like okay we you got one guy names all of a sudden yeah everybody knows yeah, who right. it is it ain't uh let me put it this way it's remember the really funny guy in the movie <laughs> it ain't him he's a fucking dream tracy morgan I, I would lay down in traffic for the rest of my life for Tracy Morgan. Because yeah. were it not for Tracy, I might have killed either myself or someone else in the making of fucking. So you were disappointed, out. beyond disappointed. It was. It was. Uh, I, look, because I went you, in there. That's why you went into the movie. It was one of the main reasons. Yeah. I mean, look, while I was there, I was able to accomplish everything else I needed to accomplish, and as much as learn about marketing, understand how to work on a team with others and shit. And, and you know what? Honestly, you, you were given the gift of not having to tell your dad that Bruce Willis was a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ultimately, there's that. But let me tell you, yeah. I'm sure he knew. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he knew from the fucking jump. Uh, I wish he just could have communicated communicated to me from the afterlife. Uh -huh. um, yeah, it, it was tough. It was difficult, dude. I've never been involved in a situation like that where um, one component does not come. It, 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 he's not. He's not in it. He's not, not in the box it. at all. Yeah, it's not. He's just doing a job so he can get by. I, I've heard of. Yeah, it was. It was fucking soul. Well, crushing. I'm sorry about that. Really? So, but again, that's not a lot of people. Are like, oh, you're just trying to blame the movie on him. No, but look, I had no fucking help from this dude whatsoever. But the, the the sad part, the sad part of that story on a personal level is, as a kid who grew up in New Jersey, who loved fucking Bruce Willis, and you get this big opportunity, and you get disappointed by your fucking hero. I mean, that is really the worst moment, and it's something that you're probably going to have to do again, uh, given the business that you're no, in. Is that, no, 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 he no. changed everything for me, though. No, I just mean meeting people that but, you no, respect. No, but that's the thing. I'm saying he changed that for me because now I'll never meet anybody. Like, that was it. I was just like, shattered. No point. It. Yeah, yeah, forget it. Like, I'd rather like people from a distance. So then after you made that movie, were you setting your alarm to wake up to smoke pot in the middle of the night so no. you wake up? <laughs> yeah, so I could just be... Well, at that point, I've been smoking so much weed. I knew a guy in college who did that. I'm just a THC. Like, it's always going through my body, so I'm, I'm fine. Well, you seem like, you know, you're almost... I'm also uh, a functioning stoner as well. No, 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 I know, but it, it almost seems like uh, you're talking about it with a, a nearly religious reverence. Yeah, yeah. what, that stoning? Yeah, that is. That's, well, that's this opened the third eye in such an insane fucking Really, way. at this point in your life, that's amazing that... Yeah, it really I, I'm a firm believer. I, I advocate smoking weed to everybody as soon as they reach age 38 and they've built something. Right. You know what I'm saying? If I think if I so found this shit when I was, yeah, if I <laughs> found this when I was a kid, I wouldn't have left the house. Well, man. I mean, it would have been this and masturbation and comic books. Fuck that. This and <laughs> masturbation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't need to be imagining dudes in capes. Like I would just be like <laughs> women yeah, everywhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. three labias yeah, at yeah, once, yeah. that kind of shit. Well, that's it's. It, it, I guess it's a gift because given that. Uh, well, it was also interesting to me that when I asked you to come over and you asked me if it was okay if you can smoke here and I said I didn't smoke, you're like, oh, shit, are you a friend of Bill? Well, and I, I didn't want to, well, I mean, I got sober friends, so I didn't well, want I know, to come but I, mean, I got a lot of sobriety, but it, it's just interesting that, you know, my frame of mind is being a guy that smoked pot every day mm -hmm. and, you know, and knowing my nature, uh, it, it just, uh, you know, my, my outlook on it, I certainly appreciate what you're saying because I had the same experience. Right. And, uh, but like, I just know that, you know, to my core, uh, there's a compulsive nature that is designed it, to avoid me at every turn right, right, right how do i get out of me 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's really the agenda here. It's that's like, true. you know, I feel squirrely. I, I don't, didn't want to feel squirrely. Tell me about the Coke, though, man. Like, yeah. what was, I'm not a Coke don't, guy. Don't, well, you don't need be, to start that one. No, I would never be uh, that dude, but it it's, it's uh, like, I, I know what weed does for me. Well, the Coke thing was like, you know, weed for me was like, uh, was like Coke cigarettes. like drinking a lot of YooHoo. or no, something? No, no. I think Coke for me, you really say the serve the same purpose is that like, you know, I could do two lines, you know, and, and also like you get into a sort of rodent mind with that shit. You know, you're Explain. like, well, I mean, like when I wanted to do Coke, you know, like, you know, you'd sort of get up that day and be like, I got to call the guy. I mean, when the fuck is he going to be open? You know, how am I going to get my shit? Because, you know, you can't oh, hold like Muse with the heroin. Right. Pills. You can't you can't you hold on to Coke. Your time, most well, of your time looking for it. Well, that's what addiction does and the great thing about pot is that you know if you get a nice bag you're good and you know you're good and you know yeah. you can always smoke so much pot but with dope and coke i mean you're going to burn through that shit your tolerance builds up and you need more shit and it's a lot more expensive than other shit and also right. the price you're paying on a on a karmic and soul level is a bit a lot higher explain than the karmic soul payment well because you know you get into something you know, certainly, I mean, your friend would know better than me because dope will take you down to a lower tier. And it has, uh, but he's one of those dudes, fucking million-dollar heart, nickel-head, million-dollar well, heart, even junkies, at his worst, you know, junkiest. Most of us, are we get into the racket because we're hypersensitive. We can't fucking, you know, a good heart is a sensitive heart. And, as, and a heart that's too sensitive, you know, can't quite handle the shit. You, oh, you can't right. handle reality. After a certain point, when you get the kind of relief that that drug in particular, or even Coke or anything, offers you, right. why wouldn't you do that? Because then you don't have to live with that sort of weird pain of, of not fitting in and feeling other people's feelings and that kind of shit. I feel See, this fucking, for me, weed just fucking turns it all up. Weed turns... Well, it embraces the yes. sensitivity. Like yeah, suddenly it turns on every nerve ending Well, the karmic body. level I'm talking about is that, you know, when you're doing hard drugs and, <laughs> and depending, you know, you're not, you know, you're not usually dealing with a high class of people right. that, you know, and once you start entering that world, it, it is a, it is its own world, uh, you know, and it's a criminal world and the possibilities of you being, you know, on the wrong end of a bullet or, you know, at the end Increased of a bad, of a hot shot, you know, and, and then also the compromises you make for what you will do to get drugs you know that your moral barometer gets way fucked up depending on your economic situation so that's really what i meant by that right. but the thing that coke gave me is that you know and i smoked pot like people smoke cigarettes i was a daily pot smoker and and i was not like one of these sort of guys sitting around smoking coke or buying kilos or anything to have that kind of money but if i could do a bolt you know, like at seven or eight at night, you know, before I go on stage or go to a party or something, I just wouldn't be thinking like, oh, God, I'm fucking uncomfortable. This sucks. I'd be thinking like, I'm fucking here. Let's do this. We're all here, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, but I also got kind of angry and righteous and, you know, the bitterness didn't go away, but the, I was more of a confident bitter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where you're like, yeah. it goes from righteousness to self-righteousness oh, really. real quick. But I, I also want to say, like, you know, in the sense of, like, how you're sort of a born-again stoner, I mean, is there any connection you make? And this is not a guy in recovery talking to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, is there any sense, you know, given your issues with food in the past yes. and, and given the way that you deal with disappointment and your own anger, which I assume is there, though you seem to hide it pretty well. <laughs> no, uh, I'm just not angry. I'm, I'm not really not But I mean, angry. was there a point where you sensed that, that food and pot and these things were filling a void as opposed to being proactive? No, pot was, I mean, food was, food was, will always be. I'm just, I'm a very sedentary person. I don't, I don't have a sport of choice uh -huh. that like I can go out and do fairly regularly or that I would go out and do fairly regularly. Um, I don't, I'm not an exercise guy. I never have been. And I wasn't raised to eat properly uh my parents by the time i rolled around literally 
they were just like, oh, we're not going to force him to eat fucking vegetables. If he doesn't money, and fine. Don't yeah, yeah. raise two kids. They're fine. Oh, so you're never like a compulsive eater. Like, give me a no. third pint. I'm no, going. and we didn't have enough money to be that. We were lower middle class. I mean, as an older guy, and cheese as and a grown up. As a grown up, I dude, I'll kill a box of cereal too in a sitting. Yeah. Like I made up for all the years of really not like we go to the grocery store and can we get Cheerios? Like, no, you get toasted oats, you know, the stu- food store brand toasted oats. Sure, the bag. The bag, yes. Oh, so you, okay. <laughs> the humiliating <laughs> fucking bag. <laughs> that the moment it goes up on a fucking belt, anybody in the vicinity go poor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's interesting. So a lot of this comes from because I you know, not my, having my, my father's sure. the same way, uh, my father's wife's the same way. They they're literally hoarders. Yeah, uh, because oh, shit. come to my house, dude. Like yeah. it's a, I'm a pack rat. It, it's almost like a reaction against poverty. Yeah, I would say, and again, we're not we weren't like you know my parents What'd were your fighting off rats with fucking forks and shit. He worked for the post office, so he had a pension though, and he did, yes yeah. and no. He wound up retiring without. He gave it up. He didn't also for some strange reason they didn't take out fucking uh, social security. Security. Oh, it was such a weird. Oh, time. really? Yeah, very strange. Was but he, he a postal? Uh, no, uh, he was a guy canceling your stamps. He was in a sectional center, okay. so he wasn't out there. You know, friendly postal dude. Did you ever go to work with your dad and go, "Holy shit"? Only outside the building, and he would never let us in. My father hated work. That was the the greatest impact in my life. Was not my father ever sitting me down and saying, "Go into anything other than the post office," but watching him go to work every night he worked the night shift uh-huh. and he would go to where he'd wake up like nine o'clock and bitch until 10 o'clock when he'd left start his work at 11 o'clock where he worked uh leave at seven in the morning come home see us and then he'd go to sleep we'd go off to school we'd come back from school he'd just be getting up he'd have a few hours during the day to hang out take me to the movie shit like that then he'd have to go to bed like six, seven o'clock again. And it's like doing morning radio. Yeah. And then he'd wake up at fucking nine, and nine o'clock missing. and he would hate it, dude. He would just beg my mother, like, call in for me. Please call in for me. <laughs> oh, and she was just like, she used to do it. And then she'd be like, you just call in. And he was too terrified. He couldn't pick up the phone. And I literally called in for the dude. And you would think that on the other end of the phone, it was going to be fucking Hitler. Yeah. But, you know, you were just like, hello. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. I was like, I'm calling in for Don Smith. They're like, yeah, okay, bye. That's it. And I'm like, why wouldn't he ever? They wouldn't even know if it was him or not. He was such a chicken shit. But he'd be like, please call in for me. He hated working. He had such a sense of responsibility. He had the wife and the three kids and shit like that. So he did the job, but he hated it so much. And he would try to get away from it as often as possible. Like, And he had strokes because of it and retired early. He hated work, man. That made a big impact on me where I was like, okay, I get it. Was there ever a point where you're like, I don't like, want to do that. Why I'm, do you go? Yeah, I mean, because I he's mean, like, who else is like? Was he who just else miserable? Earn? Yeah, he hated the hated the job, but he was from that fucking school of thought. Like every our parents, dude, was like, you get a unless you were fucking to the manor born, you get a goddamn job. You have a wife and three kids and a little house, right. and that's your American dream. And he was happy with his dream part of it. He just hated having to work for. But it. But he didn't take it home. He he was happy Never. to get home. He was he that was home was paradise and like and now the older I get the more I understand about him. Like he would sit in his room. He's a big country music fan. I God knoweth why because we were all from New Jersey. Um, but he would sit in his room and just play these fuck George Jones and. Tammy Moynette and Willie Nelson. Well, if anything's going to make you feel better about your misery, it's George Jones. I guess so, man. Fuck he, <laughs> I, I, he stopped loving her today. Probably one of the three most depressing songs ever fucking made. But he would sit there and listen to a song. My father was not a musical guy. He would sit there, sing at the top of his lungs and shit, caterwauling. And only now as I'm 40, like, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Like, that was his... I just needed to zone out. Yeah. Like, he wasn't. He didn't have a podcast. Yeah. He couldn't express himself in a fucking movie or... 
this, that, or the other thing. Like, he would just shut himself into a room with records and fucking sing, and that's how he'd let it all out. Did he live long enough to see any of your success? Yeah, yeah, oh, very much so. He died right before Jersey Girls, so some people would argue that he died right before he saw any of the failure. <laughs> he loved it, though. He did see uh, Jersey Girl. Uh-huh. We dedicated the movie to him. Uh-huh. Um, but, he, but, yeah, he was a great guy. We had a fantastic relationship, and he was... Um, yeah, fantastic. It was a really good relationship. Like, yeah. I never really got to know him at the end of the day. But you never fought him. <clears throat> never. I was never like, come on, you piece of shit on yeah. the front lawn. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No. yeah. Some of my friends, me, not at all. I would have, I was not that guy. I saw my father slip and fall with a something of a pushing fight with a neighbor once, yeah. and it was fucking mortifying. It's horrifying. I knew I would have beat him. I yeah, mean, yeah, like, yeah, in yeah, that yeah, moment, yeah, I'd always yeah, suspected, yeah, like, yeah, I could yeah. take my old man if I have to, and that. In that way, you think, I guess, at a certain when you're a teenager and they get loud with you at a certain point. But it's weird because I, uh, you know, I did some uh, poking around the internet. Like I, my family's from Jersey. Mm-hmm. What and, part? Well, my mother's from Pompton Lakes in Bergen County. Oh, and, Bergen County. I yeah, know. yeah. And yeah. my old man's from Jersey City. Right but on. my 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 aunt, mm-hmm. who I visited a lot, is in Oakhurst. Mm. So like you know it's when I wood. right where I look where you came from I mean I used to spend summers and we'd go to Asbury Park yes, we'd go to was, Deal Beach yes it was my, right by Duckett yeah woods. my grand yeah my grandparents lived right on the fucking boardwalk in that there was a building like at the end of the boardwalk in the in the seventies. That was just, it was almost the tallest building there, and it, the boardwalk had already died, and right. it was old people lived there, and my grandparents lived there. They were there. in that haunted so, place, that yeah. spooky fucking old, right. old person Right, but I tower. remembered, I'm old enough to remember my grandparents taking me there when that fucking little, you know, that little boat ride worked, wow. and, the, and the casino what was- year were you born? 63. All right, so I'm so, 70, so you got seven years on. Right, so like when I was like yeah, five most or of that six- that shit was gone by the time I was fucking of age. Like, I remember the, um, the Paramount, uh, you know, the the-, the Thing you could walk through, yeah. Um, still had some games operating, right? When I was a kid, and now it was just the casino like, building. Yes, yeah, right. And, and like, and then I went back there like years later, and it was but just even like then it was spooky. Yeah, it's spooky. We shot chasing Amy there. We got a great deal at that big hotel. You know, like what was it? Johnny Cash owned that hotel, or somebody, somebody of influence, some country western guy. I think it was Johnny Cash. Or Maybe that's Wally why Nelson your dad liked the music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you go to that hotel. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, that hotel, they it was a Berkeley Carteret. It's called this massive old fucking hotel that was down Asbury Park where lots of famous people had stayed back when the, it was a jewel in the crown of the show yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. They gave us this massive uh, ballroom to shoot these Chasing Amy comic book uh, um, convention sequences at. And that hotel dude was like walking through the fucking like, Overlook Hotel in the shop. Sure. Yeah, you oh, just yeah. expected two little twin girls at any moment to be around. Right, the right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Spooky. yeah. Or some uh, weird deteriorating woman in a bathtub. <laughs> or perhaps Scatman Crothers. Or some to... dude, you know, like, using racial slurs in a bathroom. <laughs> you feel uncomfortable. You don't, you don't know what to say. I mean, there's something that New Jersey creates. <coughs> and, and, and were you very aware of of creating a definable com- comedy team that you would, you know, have as much legs as you decided? No, was... those two cats, uh, I put him in because I always thought he was really funny. He was a dude I knew from town. And he he played the character. His character was named pretty much after him. Right. And I always thought he was funny. I was like, man, if I ever, somebody should put him in a movie one right. day. And then one day I decided I want to make films. And I put him in it and stuff. Uh, he was supposed to stand next to somebody named Silent Bob. wasn't necessarily me. I wanted to play Randall, the guy that Jeff Anderson plays in the movie. That's why Randall's got all the best jokes. Yeah. But I was like, I can't memorize these lines. This is a, truly takes a performance and stuff. So I was like, well, if I, this is the only movie I'm going to make, I'd at least like to be in it as well. Right. So I was like, I, sh- I could take Silent Bob, which I'd given to a friend of mine. 
because he doesn't have any lines to read. And I'll look good standing next to Muse. Muse thin. I'm the opposite of Muse. And I can wear my trench coat and a badass. All right, yeah, I'll do that. And but so it I is just, sort of a classic comedy team. I never mean, thought about it. That yeah, wasn't yeah. wasn't the intention. Wasn't the right, anything right, right. like it was only like after people started seeing it and talking about it. Like I remember, I forget who it was. It wasn't even me. I think it was some French journalist who was the first one that was like. Uh, these two, they're like uh, C-3PO or R2-D2 of uh, yeah, your yeah. Star Wars. And yeah. at that point, I was like, I'm going to start saying that. I sound yeah, smart. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes, of yeah. course. I always knew that it would be seen through the eyes of Jane Bob, just like the Star Wars saga was seen through the eyes of the droids or something like that. How do you feel as a, uh, what's your confidence level as an actor? Um, it's okay. I mean, if I can play me, I, I can do a yeah, good yeah. job. Like I, I was in uh, this movie called Catch and Release. Um, where uh, I had the killer part, just all the fucking go-to jokes and shit yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. And um, I played me. Like, I was, you know, I don't know what else to do. I just played me. And every review said that I played Jack Black, which I was kind of insulted by. Yeah. Because then I was like, maybe Jack Black's been playing me all this time. <laughs> yeah. you know? Huh, let me do another bong hit. <laughs> Spin that around for a yeah, while. I'll huh? dance with and that. Then, for, I yeah. could do three podcasts yeah. about that. Nine hours later, it's like, I am Jack Black. <laughs> I've got to call him. <laughs> So, but, but Jersey, like you know, Jersey gets such a bad rap, and I, you know, I spent a lot of time. I remember when the Willow, when the Paramus Park Mall opened. Oh my god! I remember the. First, I worked at the Paramus Park Mall for yeah, two weekends. Well, when I was a kid, I go to my grandma's in Pompton Lakes, and we'd always go to Willowbrook. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, there's a new fucking kid on the block. There's Paramus Park, yeah. and and I remember when I was a kid, there was this promotion. My grandmother said, and upstairs they have food from around the world, <laughs> and that was a, a veritable food court, right? But yes. there, they, that was when it was kind of invented yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. at paramus park mall yeah now you know new jersey in my recollection new jersey was like always weirdly hot only in very... new jersey are people like let's go eat foreign cuisine right at the mall yeah yeah but it was it was uh really marketed as something spectacular but i remember it was uh it... it's like when people used to fly in suits can you imagine getting onto those planes to travel across I, dude, country? I can't imagine getting onto a plane at all this year they kept kicking me the fuck off i heard about that i just flew your favorite airline how was it well it's you're thin, right. so there's no problem yeah but you're not you must have been heavier no nah, i was pretty much this size dude it was a bullshit it was it was uh you know what it was it was well, like, we should explain it for people who listen to my show that may not know that you were kicked off a plane on Southwest, Southwest. Airlines because you couldn't fit into the seat. Yes, that's what they said. Right. One true. Right. I mean, they literally pulled me out of a seat that I was sitting in with my armrest down with the seatbelt fucking closed. That's fucking embarrassing. It's really embarrassing, but it was just one of those things where it's just like, I can't, they've got me dead to rights. I am fat. Yeah. But- I ain't too fat to fit in your fucking chair, but they were like, oh, he was, he was. And then they lied about well, it. What was the fight that you fought? Lie. Did you win? I mean, who could ever win in that situation? You... I won in as much as I exposed them for being like sizists. And, and yeah. apparently I wasn't the first by any stretch of the imagination. And I haven't been the last. That's a really sickening thing. And I get at least a report a week from people going like, same thing just happened to me. On that airline? Oh, yeah. They're the worst, dude. If you're over 200 pounds, you have no business going anywhere near Southwest because you could randomly just get pulled off the plane. That's what happened, dude. Like, I was randomly fucking pulled off the plane. Had nothing to do with my, my weight, my size, anything like that. I feel just because it was a dude in the jetway thought that a comment I made was a little untoward or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, I was coming down the fucking jetway. I had been the last guy on the plane. Yeah. Uh, they they gave me a standby ticket and shit because I was yeah. supposed to be on the next flight. Out. Right. So I got a standby ticket to fly earlier, and uh, I had two seats for the earlier flight because my wife was supposed to come with me and shit. So I came to the desk with two seats, and they were like, we can only get you one if we get you on at all. I said, okay, I'll just take the one. All I need is one seat. Yeah. And she's going, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I don't need the two seats. And she was going, what about the safety requirements? I was like, what do you mean? 
what do you safety? What's yeah, going yeah. on? Another nine eleven? What's yeah, happening? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I was like, oh, are you saying I'm fat? I was like, yeah. lady, I'm fat. I'm not too fat for the seat. No. And she goes, oh, okay. So I, I when I get down to Jetway, like finally everyone's boarded. She's like, go, go. You can go right now. Yeah. Go down the Jetway. The dude in the Jetway goes, who are you? And I was like, I, she just told me I could come. I'm the standby guy. And he goes, are you my, my, my? And he said something I didn't understand. And I said, what is that? And he goes, are you are you revenue? And he go, and I go, dude, did you just reclassify me as luggage? <laughs> and he goes, and not, and he didn't think that was funny. Like right. I, I said it jokingly. He had this face on it. And he yeah. goes, I said revenue. And I was like, what is that? And he goes, revenue means you paid for your ticket. Did you pay for your ticket? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm revenue. I'm total revenue. Yeah. So I go to the plane, and, and the dude is behind me, right on my heels. And the chick at the fucking door of the plane, the stewardess, all smiles. Like, hi. She recognized me and shit like that. Um, I get to the one seat where, the, right up front, yeah. to the, in the bulkhead seat to the left, middle seat between two chicks. An older, older grandmother type and like a 50-year-old woman or something like that. And I'm like, this is it. I don't give a shit. It's a 45-minute fucking flight. Yeah. Put my bag up, sit down. Go and to click my fucking seatbelt, and I look and I see the chick who had been at the desk coming toward me on the plane, and she was just like, I, for some reason, I thought she was going to tell me my mother had died. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, some yeah. official person yeah, yeah. coming right at me. Yeah, that's the first thing that occurred to me. Is like, oh my god, my mother died. Yeah, and like they're telling me now, like Weird. before I, I leave. Get in touch with them. Again. Yeah, I was like, well, this service is amazing. <laughs> like that, that red plastic heart means something. Yeah. They care. <laughs> um, and uh, she was just like, uh, you're gonna, Mr. Smith, you have to come with me. And I was like, why? What's going on? She's going, we're going to, you, uh, you, it's just, you can't stand the plane. We got a phone call from the captain. I was like, what, what are you talking about? She's like the safety issue. And I was like, what, what do you, I said, oh my God, lady. I said, look, I'm sitting here. Look, the hand rests are down. What are yeah. you talking about? She's going, yeah. Can you please just come with me? And I was like, why? I'm, I'm fitting just fine. I was like, ma'am. And I turned to the lady, the old lady to the right, ma'am, am I crushing you? And no, first it was the lady to the left. Turn to the lady to the left, the 50 year old woman. I said, ma'am, am I crushing you at all? And she's going, it's only an hour flight. And I was like, that's not the help I was looking yeah, for. Yeah. But, you know, I turned <laughs> yeah. to the old lady to the right. And I was just like, ma'am, am I squishing you? And she goes, what? And I was like, squishing you? She goes, what? And I said, squish. And she's going, no. And I was like, oh, okay, see, there's no problem here. And the steward's going, and she's not steward, she's a ticket counter. All right. She's like, um, yeah, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to come with me. And that's when I hit her with the fucking like, all right, I'm going to take it all off. I'm going to take the shirt off yeah. and show you my man boobs. I was like, lady. Please don't do this to me. Like when I sat down, I saw four people looking right at me, smile, know exactly who I am. If they see you coming here and taking me off, like somebody's going to talk. This is humiliating. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, can we just have this discussion in the jet way? She didn't know who you were. She, it didn't matter. Right. She didn't give a fuck. Bullshit. She didn't do, she didn't give a fuck. No, I know. But I mean, if they did. They probably... I don't know. If, well, I mean, look, in retrospect now, I'm sure she wishes she had just been like, go. My feeling is the dude in the jet way had been like, you know, as soon Fuck as that I, guy. Exactly, dude. Because yeah. I had not been in that plane fucking not even a minute. I got my bag up and shit and went to sit down, then didn't sit because I went to get my Walkman, Walkman, my fucking iPod and my headphones, and then went to sit down, got comfy and shit, and just went to click, and that's when that chick showed up. And she kept telling me, like, the pilot's telling us that, we, you know, he sees you. And I was like, how can the pilot see me? I can't even see the pilot. Yeah. She's like, well, the plane has mirrors. And I was like, yeah, in the bathroom? What are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, like, yeah. lady, for me to see the pilot, I would have to lean all the way over this lady here and look down. How can the pilot possibly see me? It was just bullshit. And man. then what happened? You had a war with him? 
Uh, I sat there at the desk and they were like, uh, we can put you on the next flight, give you a travel voucher. I was like, you're out of your mind. I was like, I was supposed to be on that plane, man. Like, you guys gave Why me Why would a the ticket. next plane be any fucking different? I had no, because she would give me two seats on the next plane, she was saying, or something like that. I said, lady, I was clearly fitting in the one seat. She's like, well, what can, what can we do for you? And I was like, give me a private jet home, because I would have been home now if it weren't for you guys. Yeah. I was like, and she's like, we can't do that. I was like, all right, helicopter will do. Be like a two-hour flight, but yeah. yeah, I'll take a private helicopter. <laughs> and she was like, "You're being ridiculous." I was like, "Am I? I was the one who was seated on the plane with my ticket, seated, and you guys yanked me off, uh-huh. even though I was fucking, I was buckled in. Yeah. Fucking, I don't know how many times I can say it. The armrests are down, and she was just like giving me no purchase, man. She's like, "All I could do for you is this." She got on. I said, "Look, can you give me your name?" She's like, "No." I was like, why not? And I was like, you know my name. She's like, well, we're not supposed to give out our names. I was like, this is horseshit. You know my name. You know where I live. You have all my personal information. And she's like, I just give you my name and work number. I was like, all right, give me your organ number. I'm copying all the information down and shit. And I literally said to her at one point, I was like, lady, I'm something of a journalist. Like, I'm just going to talk about this. You realize that? She's like, well, I don't care what you do. And she, her manager comes over. He's like, what's the matter? And I was just like, dude, uh, you knew the situation up and down. And he goes, we can offer you a voucher. Right. We can offer you right. uh, this address. This is who you write to. This is who yeah. you call. And I said, buddy, hold on to your brochure. In about yeah. one hour's yeah. time, you're going to come looking for me. And I left. It was a bit of a swagger. Yeah. <laughs> and I went and sat down. And I, you know what? Fuck anyone who's like, oh, you cocky son of a bitch. I needed that cocky, man. In that moment, they yeah. must, some, an airline told me I was fat, dude, in yeah. front of a plane full of fucking people. Yeah. And this chick at the desk, she put no fucking salve on the wound whatsoever. It was yeah. almost like she was like, come here, yeah. pour some lemon on yeah, that yeah, and yeah, shit. Yeah. So I, you know, I walked away going, oh, I got this. Yeah. I know who I am. Yeah. And I sat down and I started fucking tweeting. Bang, yeah. bang, bang. Just fucking banging at the legs of that company. Yeah. And it was comedy. You know, it was like, I'm but a comic and I know what to do with my pain. Right. I turned it into something funny. And you had their fucking tweet uh, address. You yeah. Had their tweet Of course, because they consider themselves I, yeah. audience friendly. Right. Or, I did that yeah. with Virgin America and I was upgraded immediately. So what happened? What happened? <laughs> I, I, I went at them and I, I, wait, I was there in the lobby. Because you got a lot of followers. Flight. So it means fucking business. It just went everywhere. Who knew? I didn't know it would be as uh, covered. Uh, it's slow news day or whatever. I yeah. should have figured it out right away. Fat guy in a little yeah. seat. Yeah. That yeah. was the story. So it started, uh, I just sat there, tweet after tweet, just hitting them, just mocking the fuck out of them, shit like that, making fun of me, making fun of them. And then um, some dude is uh, it's close to boarding. So I get up and I go over to my gate and I'm leaning on the wall right across my gate. And I see the, man, the manager guy from the other gate, book fucking past me. And then he doubles back. And he goes, Mr. Smith. And he fucking races over me. He goes, stop tweeting, please. And I was just like, I told you you were going to come find me, man. How are you? <laughs> and he was like, listen, I just want to apologize. And I said, save it, buddy. It's too late, man. And he's like, well, look, we're just going to hook you up. We're going to make sure you get on first on this plane over here. I was like, I'm already getting on first. I have a ticket. Like yeah. the A ticket. Voucher. I get to, yeah, 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 I have number one, too. Yeah. So I can... Yeah. You don't. Thanks. Your yeah. your your time's passed. Like I needed help back there. That's a good feeling. You handed it? me a brochure. Oh, it was fucking awesome. <laughs> it was so awesome. And then I got on the next flight. And then they tried to. They were sick, dude. This organization's pretty bad. Yeah. There was. Uh, they've grabbed a, a girl who is uh, very chubby, um, like me. She was. Uh, we did a podcast about her right afterwards. Yeah. Um, and sat her next to me. Yeah. Uh, in the in the seat where I was, yeah. like on the other side. And she, and then talk amongst yourselves, fat people. What was it? I don't know what it was. Other people paraded yeah. past us, but it was just like, why do they have the fat people up front? Yeah. There are two of us. Yeah. Then they pull her from her seat and take her out in the jetway. She comes back. She's crying. 
And I don't talk to strangers and shit, but I'd already fucking been through yeah. hell that night. Yeah. So I was just like, what's this all about? And she goes, uh, they said that I wasn't going to fl- I would be able to fly because I didn't buy two seats. And y- I would need to buy two seats. Otherwise, you would be mad. And I was like, they brought me into this? She said, yeah, because uh, you just went through something. I was like, these sons of fucking bitches. They tried... They put, took this poor, overweight chick. Yeah. And I don't say, oh, she's poor because she's overweight. Yeah. But they just, ha- just haplessly picked this fucking broad yeah. to sit her next to me to try to prove a point. Like, well, we do this to all fat people. Yeah. It ain't just you. Yeah. How fucking mean is that, yeah, dude? Yeah, yeah. Somebody had to okay that. Yeah. Somebody in a position of yeah, power yeah, yeah, yeah. at Southwest said, do that, and then pull her out and yell at her. Because the girl was like, they literally told me to sit in that seat. She's going... I'm fat. I sit in the back of the plane. Yeah. I get in line first so I can race to the back of the plane so I don't have to have everyone parading past me. They made me sit in this chair and then they yelled at me telling me I have to buy another pl- a seat even though there are plenty of empty seats everywhere. And they did it just so it could be in front of me. What a deplorable fucking reign of Nazis these air yeah. marshals are yeah. at Southwest. Yeah. They're the worst. Yeah. Dude. They, I mean, that's just, I get it. We're all in business trying to make a buck, but like- I ain't fucking over my fellow man to get a fucking buck in my pocket. Yeah, you know what you're, I'm you're saying? Humiliating feel, yeah, yeah. people in public and Now shit. I got to start flying Virgin more often. Ugh. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you know how they used to have the Orca plane? <laughs> Did they flew, have a fat plane? No, I flew down on the Kevin Smith. What? It's, it's just, <laughs> Dude, it's, I thought about It's just for a your minute. face at the head of the plane <laughs> and a trench coat going all <laughs> It flaps in the breeze. <laughs> Please tell me there's a theme song. <laughs> Like a Batman, like Tim Burton's 89 yeah. Batman. I think they're going to probably ask you to write it, given that they have no fucking sense. Ugh. Oh, these what? people. I think if, if there were some wise, fat people out there, yeah. they would all get together and, and hire me as their spokesperson, the front man, and we would just do Air Tubby or whatever the fuck, Air Fat Fuck. And just, we would all, uh, fat people would travel on a, their own fucking plane. Well, you know I think you probably heard him, which is good. The Southwest? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It wasn't even like, yeah, no. I, I didn't want to hurt them. I just want to warn, like, fuck them. At the end yeah. of the day, they're right. a fucking footnote. They're yeah. tacky. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Classless fucking tacky pieces of shit. Yeah. But you just don't want anyone to go through what you went through. Yeah. So you want, just want to, like, spread the word for other fat people. Like, don't look. I understand it's a cheap ticket, but look someplace else. Because right. it ain't worth it. They'll just, it'll... That shit will hang with a motherfucker. Oh, like, yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a defining- Being ostracized It was a defining moment for me, dude, because yeah. it was like, the whole, you want to talk about humiliation. Like, yeah. by the time I got home, it started to germinate into this news story, and because I had called myself fat in so many tweets, every news agency felt utterly at liberty to use those words about me in the headlines. So it was just like, fat director, way fat director- um, so that kind morbidly of, obese that kind director. Of snuck, it bit you in the ass a little. Holy shit, dude. Like, you want to talk about 5,000 <laughs> press articles all screaming how fat you were in the headline. And then there were some that weren't even clever about it. Like and this is pre- Philadelphia the, Daily News, yeah. dude, the worst fucking rag on the planet. Yeah. Has on the cover a picture of me, and it just says blimp landed. Holy shit. You know what I'm saying, dude? Uh, like, that's not even, they didn't even pull those words from my words. So, what's the morality tale in that? Um, at that point, I just realized I hate the media with everything that I am because all these people who for years, a lot of these people I had done stories with, yeah. you know what I'm saying? That wasn't hard news people covering this fucking too fat to yeah, fly yeah, story. Yeah. It was the same motherfuckers who I'd sit down guys. with and do entertainment yeah. pieces who'd call me at any time of day to be like, hey, I need a, a line for this story about nothing has nothing to do with you. I was always there for anybody. Doors always open. 
And all of a sudden, all these motherfuckers wanted to write the lie story. Just tell the story about a fat guy on a little plane. Nobody wanted to. There's one dude on the Huffington Post, Lee Strand, who actually wrote the right story. Like the story is like, the story is that this dude got fucked by a corporation, just like you have gotten fucked by a corporation. But rather than fucking go quietly into the good night, he made a big stink about it. And instead, you know, dude's getting fucking harassed for his for his troubles and shit like that. It just seems I felt like alone, dude. I yeah. really realized that at that point we do it alone. I always thought there was a team effort out there somewhere that we were all in this no, together. People are somehow. frightened, and the media are piranhas. I mean, it just was a feeding frenzy. It was nasty, but it's it gross, like- and it was also coming fucking like what would happen a, a month later is like a uh, cop out would come out. And the critics would just tear into this movie in a way that it was like it wasn't even film criticism anymore. It was like watching um, bullies beat up a retarded. Kid, yeah, you know, in a in a. Did they call lot. you fat again? It wasn't even that. No, I mean, I there were literally some that did. Where I'm like, oh my god, look, call me fat all you want. I bet you I can fuck your wife, dude. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, if I can't fuck her, I can bet you I can buy her. Like, well, you want to play on that level? Like the base kind of like you're fat. I'm like I'm yeah. fat and hugely successful. Yeah, I'm fat with success. What yeah. do you want me to take away from you? Yeah, to prove that I'm fucking not this feeble fat man you make. Like, and you never want to. You never want to. Uh, uh, what is what is it called? Hit them on that level. Yeah. Meet them on that level. But sometimes you can't help it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When yeah. somebody like pulls your fucking physicality into the review of a movie, it's like, the fuck does that have to do so with So what anything? happened with Cop Out? I mean, what were they doing? In which? I with mean, the, like you brought up that, you know, when Cop Out came out that the oh, same thing. it was fucking- just nasty. It was just basically people like uh, like beating, the, beating a movie to death, dude, saying it was like the worst movie ever made. I mean, whatever. I don't care about shit like that. It was just like so nasty. Like I sat there going, all these people that I sit down and do time with, like happily, whenever they want to, you know, right. I, why am I bothering? Like right. none of them have my fucking back. Right. So why should I have any of their fucking backs? Right. And also at this point, I don't need any of these people. Yeah. I've been doing what I've been doing for nearly 20 years. And in the beginning of the job, we were always bred to respect and like, hey, man, you need these people. Sure. You need the press to yeah. get the word out. Glad handing. Yeah. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, Mark, I've been doing this for nearly 20 years. And when yeah. you do something for 20 years and you build an audience all your own, yeah. you don't need the press. You are the press. Right. So essentially at that point, why am I sitting down with these people? And it used to be because like, well, you just reach your audience. Yeah. Sit down with the press and who knows who you yeah. can reach. Well, yeah. guess what, man? I've done my homework in the last two years, and I'll be on a website and read some fucking horrible article about what a dickhead I am and a fucking holy terror behind the camera I am and abortion of cinema and all this fucking stupid bullshit. And back in the day, I'd read that, and I would go like, oh, my God, who's reading this? Yeah. Like, everyone can read this yeah. now. This person just put this in public. And, yeah. and if it's in print and it's newspaper, I mean, this counts. Somebody's going to yeah. think this is fucking real. And you would sit there, and you would pull your hair out and you would be like you would be crippled i would lose days wondering how much damage can these pieces do uh, i can't imagine the paralyzing just paralyzing now you just click on their little twitter account button yeah. and see how many followers they have because that's how you figure out how many people they're reaching yeah and when i see like somebody tearing my fucking throat out and click and see they've got like 300 twitter followers it's like dude i i block 300 twitter followers a day just yeah. for being assholes yeah. like I know I reach more people than you. At the end of the day, majority fucking rules. Yeah. And it's like, I now know that I reach more people than these people can influence even. Uh-huh. So for me, it's like, why do I have to play this game anymore? Uh-huh. I'm not going to be polite to people who just want to shit in my mouth at the end of the day. Yeah. That's all they do, dude. Yeah. They want to sit there and be nice to you in person and then write a story where they try to be clever about your fucking foibles and the ups and the downs. Well, they're always trying to cut their life. own teeth. They just want to take the upper hand. Yeah. Well, it's why? fucked up. Why? Because basically it's like, let me show people how yeah. clever I am. 
I am yeah, in my yeah. writing. You want to show people how clever you are in writing? Write something original. They're smart. Create something from yeah, scratch. Yeah, go yeah. write a movie. Go yeah. write a book. Yeah. Go record a podcast. Well, they're par- they're parasites. Whatever. I mean, it's just like and, and they, it irritates me. Yeah. And now they're all mad at me because I don't want to talk anymore. Because I'm just like, after <laughs> fucking nearly 20 years, I, I mean, you guys have frustrated me to the point of like, what's the point of having yeah, conversations? Yeah. For years, all you said was, he should stop making VSQ movies. And then I did, and they were like, oh, this is terrible. He yeah. shouldn't do this either. Um, he should just try. He's no director, and I go and I try to direct a movie only, and they don't focus on that. Though He made a bad movie, and as if I wrote it. You can't win. Dude, you cannot win with these people. And that's when I realized, like, how much time I'm so resentful because of all the time that I've lost, creative time, wasted fighting battles of opinion with people that don't fucking matter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. don't even matter to me because they only buy tickets to my shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? They go see it for free. Yeah. And then shit in its mouth. Bullshit. Yeah. I'm going to sit here and play to the people that are happy to see me there. And yeah. there are a lot of them, dude. Yeah. Back in the day, people go, oh, go play to your fucking audience. Yeah. Guess what, man? I've lived off that audience for nearly 20 fucking years. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know I said it before, and I don't mean this in a braggy way. I live in a bigger house than anyone in my entire lineage ever thought existed in this world or would ever be open to someone like us. Uh-huh. I think I know what I'm fucking doing. Back <laughs> off. You know what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, after 20 years, you'd imagine they'd just be like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know why? Because I'm only doing what I do. I don't do what they do. Well, I don't follow anyone else's path. I follow my own. I make a flick. And then I'm like, hey, man, let's create a podcasting empire. Let's write a and comic. And then it's like, hey, yeah. let's go over here yeah. and write a comic. Like, all these doors and opportunities are open to me. Why should I limit myself to one tiny fucking thing? Well, I think there's part of us. So I know, could suck at everything. But right. you know what? I, I get to try it. Yeah. And also, I think there's just a part of us as people who are creative that we still look for that approval. Mm. And, and and fighting with that motherfucker. Well, I that's good. Well, yeah. No, I mean, that's do, you, good. do you have that? Have no, you? I, I, it took me a long time to realize that, hey, there isn't a little me in everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> You know, I, just, I would just. Oh, you know, I wish I'd met you a few years ago. I would have taken that one and ran with it, man. That is a sound piece of advice right there. There isn't a little me in everybody. <laughs> because there's that part of you, like, I would be saying what I say the way I want to say it. Mm. And if people didn't get it, I'm like, you're not going deep enough to find your inner mark. <laughs> right. You all look exactly like me. Right. Yell at the world. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and at some point, I, I sort of uh, I got away from it. But now. Do you, you realize it doesn't matter? Like, dude, honestly, they can write anything they want. You can't be happy they if want. you live in that fucking mindset. Because you can never live... It's like trying to live up to a, an evil step-parent. What's well, trying to like live that. up to... It's like... It, 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 it's literally... You know, you don't have any freedom mm. to be happy with yourself. No. Because you're judging yourself on their fucking terms. And also, they just basically... Uh, the thing that works for me has also worked against me many times in life. And I'm not bitching because I've had a great run. But... I'm them. I am from them. I am I'm literally a guy. If I wasn't making movies, I'd be writing about them on the internet. Right. I, when I'm not making movies, I live on the fucking internet. Yeah. Um, so I am, they recognize me because I came from them. I'm one of them made good, quote unquote. Right. Um, that has been a boon for me. On other times, it really hurts because you get judged against a different curve than anybody else. Oh, yeah. Hometown I, the, Boy makes good doesn't work. Oh, shit. Because when no, Hometown you, Boy comes home, they're like, you're just the same fuck yeah, you were when you were here. Yeah, you you are? You're yeah. not the Coen brothers. Right. It? So Red State, do you want to talk about it? I can if you want. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it it's how, not funny. It's not a, it's not a uh, comedy It's okay, all. man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah, you're like fucking. Uh, you're like the the psychiatrist <laughs> in Good Will Hunting. It's good. You're man, like, it's not it's your fault, Kev. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's not funny, man. It's not funny, Mark. You don't have to be funny all the time. I'm like, don't be like that, Mark. Don't don't you be that way. No, if it comes from your heart, Kev. Not you, Mark. Not you. I start swinging and shit. Um, it is. It's not a comedy. It's uh, it's it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty out there. It's gonna be f- fun to watch it with an audience. Well, how would you classify it then? I don't. It's tough. It's, t- it's tough to put it into a genre. What's the angle? Uh, I keep calling it a horror movie. Okay. Um, to to me, it is a horror movie. Some people would argue. Are you a horror like, movie is- fan? I-, I I like them quite a bit. I've never made one. So before. in sense that it's a horror movie, you you kind of studied a little bit and you you built. No, some it's a system. horror movie, and as much as the elements are horrific, oh, okay. the elements at play are truly, truly. So it's horrific. not a genre horror movie. Um, but it is at the same time. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this weird kind of, I don't know. I honestly don't. How are you setting it up? How are you pitching it to people? That... I don't. We just, we've been talking about it for so young, so long for three years. I've been trying to make it finally found the money and then we made it really quickly. Um, uh, we got into Sundance. We debut, uh, in less than two weeks on the 23rd up at Sundance. Um, and, uh, let me see, uh, Michael Parks is in it. I put up a teaser for it. There've been posters that we've been releasing into the world. Um, all of which have pointed to a very unsettling flick. And even people who normally are like, fuck this guy and his terrible fucking movies are like, mm, this might look interesting. What are the themes? It's about uh, religious fundam- fundamentalism. Kind uh, it's of run, already creepy. Yeah. yeah, it's very, when you see the teaser too, it's really unsettling. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of it's kind of cool in a for me in a, a Rosemary Rosemary's Baby horror movie. Okay, kind of like. oh right, okay. So but so you play it, you play your cards close to your chest, and it's not it's not making a statement about religion. It's just making uh, Make, that's such to me. I made statements about religion, right. dogma. That's, right, that's what everyone seems to think. Like right. everyone keeps saying. The movie's political or, or, or right. religious or something based on the title, and people are like, "How can you not see that?" And like, "Yes, I understand," but it was a double entendre title. I don't give a. I'm not a political person in the right. least. Red to me is blood, like yeah, it's a horror right. movie. Yeah, red, yeah, red yeah, state, yeah, blood yeah, state, yeah. kind of thing. And then people are like, "Why not call it blood state?" I'm like, "Well, that's not clever." Yeah, yeah. But, you know, red state <laughs> is fucking clever. And also, wouldn't you rather take uh, that movie for a fucking horror title than have somebody, you know, make it with a meaningful movie of some sort? Or something well, like what that? sounds, what's well, good? It sounds like that even before it gets out of it's the can, nice people are like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah. And once you look at it, you're like, ooh, it looks unsettling. And it's got a, like a nice, it's it's in fighting shape because it does get people bobbing and weaving. Number one. You look at it and it doesn't look like anything I've ever done before. And you don't, you have a hard time processing that I'm involved in any way. Uh-huh. So there's that. Then it's just like, what the fuck is this about? Man, this looks dark because we don't give anything away in the teaser. It's just all imagery with, with, with a spoken religious song. Um, and then, uh, there, so that's unsettling. And then it, it's a date of March for release. And you're like, it's coming out? What the fuck's going on? And then it's on Smodcast on our podcast network website. So it's, it's, it, gets you bobbing and weaving you don't quite know what it is yeah. and in two weeks everyone gets to kind of know what it is at least you know the people who are up there yeah for sundance and stuff but that'll be i'll spend most of the year working on working on that getting that thing. out in the world yeah 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 well awesome it sounds like a completely new thing it'll be fun man to, to do that i mean the nice thing is for me i've gotten to a place with the films where i'm kind of almost done like i have one more movie i want to do and then i think i'm finished and then what um, happens? What do you mean you're finished? You can go back to New Jersey? Of, I, no, man, I got lots of other stuff. I, got, <laughs> yeah. I like I like doing the podcasting thing. Now. Yeah, like, me too. I spend yeah. way more time doing that yeah. than anything else. It's very that, engaging. And that, it's engaging, and it takes you know how much time yeah, it yeah, takes. Yeah. So it's not like my job here is done. I leave the room. You still got work ahead. Like this show ain't done. Like <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm for me. I I'm on five of the seven shows that are on weekly. And I cut any show I'm on, so it's not only just recording. I got to sit there and fucking cut them yeah. too. So I live the shit. Yeah. So for me, it's like if I could do this for a living, and I can, I you know I can monetize it and blah yeah. blah blah. 
I'd much prefer to do that. This is it's like getting to be, I mean, look, I, I know we're not supposed to say it out loud, but it's like getting to be Howard Stern for me. Yeah, I mean, you sure, know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, that's that was always I a dream. It. Like, I, I sat audio. there as a kid yeah, and listening yeah. to that. That's what yeah. I think the 21st yeah. century is kind of about. People finding out, like, we used to all want to go outside, put on clothes, and do professional things. And I think 21st century is finding, like, we'd much rather... Smart money does it from its house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? The yeah. closer you can get to never leaving your house the better you know and that's that's how you win that's how you stay alive and that's how you can you know I work you from work, home yes work in slippers and sure, pajamas man. i've done that well shit it's been great talking to you i've been told that uh, i don't uh, by one person like it's weird when something happens on the internet even if it's one email you're like the internet has said right. that uh, i don't close my shows with a nice sort of uh, you know kind of ease people out you and know, I, well, you go out harsh no i just sort of usually the guy who i'm talking to goes is that it or can we eat so uh <laughs> I see that's the difference with me You'll never get a guy going, are we done? Because yeah. I'm just, I, I just assume it'll go on for hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it doesn't always happen. But I, I just want to thank you for coming. I'm glad you made the trip up here to the This, uh, this was, the I was telling you barrio. when I came in, this was a discovery for me. I, like, you you always think you live in a place until somebody invites you to like three miles from your house. And you're like, like, where the fuck never, is this? Yeah, I know. It always happens when people come here. It's like, I've never been here. It was. I was telling you when I came in, I was like, this is the Los Angeles of that movie Cyrus. Like, yeah, I yeah, watched yeah. that movie Cyrus and I'm like, it looks like L.A., but this doesn't look like any L.A. This is I old. Know. This is old yeah, yeah. L.A. These like there hills. are hills and there, houses and hills. Yeah, I mean, stuff. I find that if you're in Southern California, if you're in a hill, it's a, it's like living in the hills. Like right over there is Pasadena. Eagle Rock's up there. Glendale's over there. Eagle Echo Rock, Park. I'm familiar with. We we shot uh, some of Clerks, too. There's a, a, jail, a policeman's museum. Oh, that, no, that's right down here. That's on is York. That that's in Highland Park. That's like, uh, yeah, it's down at by York and Figueroa. And across the street down the road a little bit is like a soda joint. Galco's Pop Shop. Yes! Yeah. yeah, I know that area. Go get some uh, old-timey candy and some yeah, uh, yeah, esoteric yeah. soda pop. Yes, they had, they had shit from that grape knee-high. Yeah, you can, you can go get some right now. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Kevin. Thanks for having me, man. Folks, please, I, I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope uh, I, I, I tailed off well. Please uh, please go to WTFPod.com. Kick in a few bucks if you got them. Get on the mailing list. I mail a, sh- a thing out every Sunday. Go to WTFPodshop.com. Pick up some premium episodes. Buy some T-shirts. Got new American Apparel T-shirts uh, available you know, under the merch button at WTFPod.com. What else can I tell you? I believe my book, Jerusalem Syndrome, is in the second printing. So you can go to Amazon and get that if you haven't gotten that already. If you don't have enough Marin in your life, go get the book. Oh, God, I feel like a, I feel like a pitch man for me. But that's all right. right? You know, Kevin sort of talked about that. It's the world we live in. It's a good product, all right? It's a good product. Okay, see you later. Okay.